When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I've never been this nervous in my life. Greetings from Longtime No See the Podcast. Every week we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! <laughs> what would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on. A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my god, Jack almost fell off his chair. <laughs> be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Okay, so it's a party. Yes. But about TV. Yes. Join us every Monday for TV Party, where we'll talk about the news of the moment, the best episodes of the week, and what we can't wait to find sitting on our DVRs. We'll also chat with actors, writers, and experts about TV, elect classic characters to our Hall of Faces, deep dive into full seasons of some great shows, and more. Find us at Consequence of Sound, iTunes, or wherever you procure fine podcasts. Oh, Clint, one more thing. Is it open bar? It's BYO. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to a very special edition of Kyle Meredith With. It's an audio interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Uh, wherever you're listening from today, take a moment to hit the subscribe button before we get started. Uh, whether you're checking us out on YouTube, listening on Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts from. I'm Kyle Meredith. As I mentioned, it's a very special episode today. I've got three guests, and they all have, uh, well, they have a few things in common. They have new music, uh, but they also have recent placements in big television shows. Gregory Allen Isakov, who has a new record called Evening Machines, who you can also hear in The Haunting of Hill House. The band Hearts, their latest is called New Compassion, and you may have recently heard one of their songs on the second season of 13 Reasons Why. And Brooke Annabelle, who's had plenty of placements throughout her career, one of the most recent in Grey's Anatomy. And I'll be talking with Hearts and Brooke Annabelle here in just a few moments, but we'll start with Gregory Allen Isakov. He's got a brand new record. It's his first in five years called Evening Machines. We'll talk about his life as a farmer between records and how nature inspires his writing. 
We'll also get into how immigration. He's uh, originally from South Africa, he and his family, and that works its way in a little bit on this record in a song called Birth. And there's also some discussion on him having the closing song on the Netflix show The Haunting of Hill House, one of my favorites of the year. It's a beautiful record from a really nice guy. It's Kyle Meredith with Gregory Allen Isakov. Oh, hey, Kyle. How's it going, man? Dude, uh, Evening Machines is just one of the most beautiful little creations that I've heard this year. Congratulations on this. Thanks so much, man. I know a little bit of the talk, um, you know, there was five years in between this and the last record, which you had stayed plenty busy, but I, I feel like there's probably some good stories to kind of fall into before we get into the album proper. Uh, one of those involves a flood, right? Yeah, we did have a big flood in, in Boulder uh, where I was living, and that sort of set me kind of just travel. I was doing a lot of opening at that time, opening tours and stuff, running around and kind of just staying with friends for a while. But then I started more full-time farming, you know, and then a little less touring. But, yeah, constantly kind of writing, you know, on the on the road and stuff. I've been through those floods. My my house in in two years flooded three times. I think. Oh, yeah, so you know. <laughs> I know. No, it, 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 I finally just, we just left the house. We just left it there. Like, we're done. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. this, this is it. Yeah. I know how that can kind of uh, uproot your life in, in that sort of way. But, but I mean, it sounds like this is one of the things, you, like, everybody would ask me, like, well, what kind of positive thing can you find out of this? And at the moment, I was just upset that I lost all of my music. But, <laughs> but, but it sounds like you yeah. were able to kind of turn this into something else. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I was... Looking back, I think it's probably one of the coolest things that's happened. I think when you go through like kind of a tragedy like that, or or just kind of a life up uproaring and uprooting, you know, you kind of are forced to kind of see what's important, simplify, you know. Yeah. So it's been a really good change for me. You mentioned finally going full time on the farming. That's that's sort of always been part of your story. What did that entail, going full-time, as you say? You know, I used to play more, tour more in the summertime, and I used to do kind of, uh, I grew four varieties of seeds for a, like a local heirloom seed company. It was pretty flexible, so I would just grow mainly in the summer season and then just be gone, you know, I'd set up irrigation and then kind of come back a few times to kind of check on things and then harvest in the fall, and that was it. And so, you know, the last few years I've been doing kind of more intensive, like, market farming with a couple of restaurants and a few markets. Yeah, so still, what, what, are you, what are you farming these days? What kind of uh, what kind of seeds or vegetables? I'm doing, you know, I do an heirloom, well, for the, I still keep kept my account with the seed company. I, I do, uh, like, an heirloom corn, a blue chihuahua corn, and a yellow bean and a mint, a lemon basil. And then for market, I do a lot of, you know, greens. Um, that's kind of what the chefs want the most. You know, I do a lot of, like, salad turnips and beets, carrots, and then just, uh, like, you know, 12 varieties of, of greens, lettuces and kale and arugula and stuff. Being a farmer, knowing this much about, you know, food and where it comes from, does that affect how you eat on the road? Because it, eating as a touring musician is not an easy thing to do, eating healthy yeah. anyway. You know, I... I love, well, on the West Coast, it depends where we are, you know. I have a lot of friends that I know from my horticulture days that have farms on the West Coast, and so I'll go visit them, and we'll bring back a lot of food and have it on the bus or whatever. And then in the winter, you know, it's there. We I do try to go to all the local kind of markets when whenever I can. It's kind of just in a nerdy way just to see what's going on. Yeah. Another one of the things that kind of happened recently, uh, I am completely obsessed about The Haunting of Hill House. Uh, watched it all yeah, in like know. 24 I hours. I learned about that show. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, but it's your song at the end. And, and I remember 
Like, I've been aware of you and, and your music for a while now, but I didn't match it up as the song that's playing at the end. But me and my wife were talking about it. I was like, oh, this is a really pretty song. We need to figure out who this is. I turn around to do the research. Like, wait a second. Oh, cool. <laughs> this is you. This is the song, If I Go, I'm Going. So so how much – so you didn't have a, a large hand to play in this, I guess? I guess. You know, I, I, I so <laughs> it's embarrassing, but sometimes I get a little unplugged. And I – you know, I have, luckily I have, like, an awesome – friend that helps me out with managing and um we've known each other forever and whenever i answer my phone she tells me all these things at once and then i sometimes forget (laughs) but i always get so excited about that stuff you know i love like doing collaborations television and film and stuff it's like my favorite thing and i'd heard of the show it was sort of but i i haven't seen it you know yeah now this is based on you know one of the greatest books of all time by by shirley jackson of of the same name and and um, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to draw a parallel sometimes when they're not there, but I'm going to do it anyway because I like to do okay. so. But, you know, I mean, there are lots of ghosts in the show. Uh, it, it, it all takes place at night for much of it. And, and I thought, oh, that just kind of works out perfectly. But as, as we uh, learned yeah. about Evening Machines, I mean, this is a record of the night. And, and not to say that yeah. you were haunted by the night, but, but it sort of plays a big part, right? It, it, yeah, a huge part of my writing. And, and, but I guess... Uh... Is that like a horror show or something? It's it is in a way, yeah. I mean, they're ghosts, you know, and and the ghosts are it's it's psychological, I should say. <laughs> okay, yeah. gotcha, cool. Yeah, but uh, but that but that's what we learned because that's what uh, I mean. How does that play into the title? I, I think I know the story. Evening machines. You know, I uh, I had this title going. You know, a lot of times in a record, I'll have the title before I have the record fully. But I I, I kind of I was just like you know. I, when I was just farming and stuff, you know, I I had no time during the day. Plus the, the little tiny highway we live on, it gets kind of noisy and like in the afternoons and stuff. And so I would always just set up mics at night. And I was like, you know, I'd, we'd be finished a long day of, of farming and growing and whatever we're doing, harvesting or washing or whatever. And it's like, I'm going to go play with my evening machines. <laughs> you know, it's just like, say it kind of funny like that. And I don't know, it just kind of stuck, you know, um, you know, we kind of le- left all the gear on all the time. So we kind of, it was always just kind of this like little orange glow coming in the back of the barn, you know, 24 seven. And so the kind of, that kind of just stuck. Uh, but I love how, you know, you, you find those little trails all the way through the album. I mean, uh, easy one to pull out is dark, dark, dark. It has the word in the title there, but, uh, but even with songs like caves where you talk about, you know, it let's let the stars do their talking and, and later yeah. on, wings and all black. You know those bright crooked yeah. stars. Man, they're howling out. Like, do you do you find that that's seeping into you like more than, or, or I should say, somewhat thematically? It does. You know, I think as writers, we kind of get into these obsessions, and I've been through so many different ones. But I, I think, yeah, for some reason, that was kind of one of my obsessions. Yeah. What do you think draws you there? I mean, other than it's just you know what you're surrounded by. You know, I don't know. Um, a lot of the landscape makes it into the writing and. I think a lot of, you know, where we've been and what we've gone through get makes it in there. But I don't know if I've ever honestly sat down and thought, man, I'm I'm going through this period of time. I, I need to write a song about this. Or I don't I don't really have that as part of my process. I start from nothing, and then it, things sort of happen in this kind of cool, hard to explain kind of way. And then you kind of just follow it, and you just hold on, and you try to you just try to hope it you get to the end, you know. <laughs> so. Kind of well, as that might be a bit more abstract, a song like "Birth" does it, it, it does this talk about immigration? Does this sync up with what what is happening uh, in the news right now? It happened too. Yeah, I mean, 
it wasn't intentional again at all. The song sort of happened. Um, I did like kind of like an all night sesh with my little brother, and we were kind of he's one of my favorite writers too, and we kind of were just um, set up. And I had this little melody in the back pocket, this little crooked kind of whirly Wurlitzer part, and uh, we just kind of split off and started writing like you know a ton of verses, and then we recorded it all that night. And and the, the original song was you know like almost 20 minutes long, wow. and then we kind of listened to because we wanted to include everything because you know we didn't want to miss out on anything that was going to help it. And then we just kept cutting and cutting and cutting and cutting. And then you know uh, I think a, a few weeks later we were like, holy shit, this is like a, this is totally an immigration song. Like we had no idea because the characters in the song you know is this um, kind of statue, this liberty statue, and um, one of the main characters in the song and. and the other character is sort of like this angel kind of person, you know, maybe from another time that's kind of landing here, like kind of like an immigrant landing here. And, and you know, my brother and I are both immigrants. We grew up with a ton of other kids that were immigrants in our building. And that was, and then, yeah, with, with everything going on now, I mean, it seemed to line up like that way. And I, we didn't plan for that at all. It's beautiful when that happens. But yeah. As you does that affect you when you hear about you know what's going on in the news? I mean, specifically, of course, you know, there's migrants you know marching through Central America right now, uh, and that seems to be taking the spotlight. But there's no shortage of these stories out there by any means. No, no and it's it's heartbreaking. And I think you know it's going on all over the place, all over the world. And it seems like that's the hip thing. Everyone's just being, you know, it seems like this collective cycle that's happening right now and it's really coming to the surface because you know when i was in europe it was going on in england and france and italy and even scandinavian countries where it's just hard for people you know people were getting kicked out of the countries and you know or the, the that sort of conversation was happening in the media everywhere you know and it really just based in it was really based in, in racism mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. you can really just feel that and i grew up in apartheid i know what that's like yeah. so it's like we're, we're not as as in the future as i thought I think a lot of us got that rug pulled out from under us, you know, that everything was on the upswing in that way. And then because, you know, it's it's I don't know, I'm not saying anything has been said before. And uh, but, you know, it's it's those imaginary lines we draw that suddenly are supposed to separate people that are just people. And it's 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 warped is what it is. It's completely warped. It was really scary, actually, you know. Because just like, who are they going to point out next? Okay, it's going to be you. It might be you. Right. It might be you. Right. You know, <laughs> it's a scary, weird, bizarre time. Yeah. Well, especially to have that background, you know, a, a lot of us can can feel for people. But, uh, you know, you, you've got that real uh, that empathy there. And it's um, and I, I do love how it's come out in this song, you know, even subconsciously anyway. It's, uh... Yeah. Yeah. You know, for me, the, the content or the storyline of the songs sort of I love that stuff. You know, I love piecing together stories and, 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 and I might do it in a little bit of a bizarre way. But I my favorite thing about it, I mean, the most important thing to me really is is if the song feels universal, you know, mm-hmm. and people can really connect to it. And so whether you're, you know, an immigrant or not or whatever, we all know what it's like to just kind of keep moving forward and, and not spend too much time looking in the past, you know, that was really the the meat for me where I was like, okay, yeah, this makes me feel something. And then to move further down the record, Caves is probably an instant favorite. I mean, but it's, it's almost a completely different feeling on this song. I mean, this is a big song on a 
Yeah. And on a hushed record, I guess. A lot of the songs, you know, and even some of them that I didn't have time or I, the record wasn't long enough to keep, to keep some of them on. But a lot of them were really dark and dirty and uh, kind of ugly, which felt right. A lot of the production, I, you know, I really, you know, a lot of these songs weren't weren't feeling like uh, sweet or, uh, you know, I, I was really moving away from just feeling precious about anything. But but really, um, some of the songs are, are uncomfortable. Some of the production is un- uh, uncomfortable, you know. For that particular song, we had like, oh, I think there was like 12 of us <laughs> or 13 of us just singing every word of that song in, in the bar, just like into a couple mics. And when I'd done the, when I played the drums, I kind of crushed them really hard with some compressors. And, and when I ended up mixing that with, with Tucker in Portland, he really knew what I was after. And he, the the gear that, that he was using was like kind of, I had like a model of that gear, of that piece of gear for, for that compressor. It was called a devil lock. And he had that actual piece of gear. Like it was amazing. I was like, Oh, I've never actually seen one of these. This is so cool. And, and it was just right there on his desk. Like he uses it all the time. That's a favorite of mine on that record too. Uh, oh, thanks. I mean, there's a lot of great moments on this, and again, I congratulate you. Uh, w- when you talk about, you know, some of the cut stuff, you know, a 20-minute version of Birth, do, do you ever think that version will see the light of day? Man, you should see my house. It's just covered in songs, and my my priority was to try to get to the bottom of this record because I'd recorded over 35 songs, and a lot of them, you know, I really, I really loved how they came out, but they just didn't sequence right, you know? There was never a, a time where I was like, I'm ready to hear that now, you know? And so I, I realized like certain songs just want to live together and other songs want to live together. So we, we kind of have another kind of record that's, um, I wouldn't say by and at any means finished or anything, but pretty, pretty flushed out, which is exciting. So uh, some other stuff that, that, you know, didn't make it. So, yeah. Yeah. So it might not be another five years before the next one. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's funny that my friend, I was talking to my friend Patrick Park and, he was uh, he's just coming out with a record and I was like oh yeah how long was it since you put your last one he's like about five years I was like that seems like the amount of time it takes huh he's like yeah for me <laughs> and I was like yeah I don't know who decided it should be shorter than that but I think if you really care about what what this process and I think for me the way the time away from it to, to kind of investigate it and to uh, for rewrites and all that sort of thing seems like that seems like uh, three to five years seems like the time frame. Well, as a fan, when you when you fall in love with a piece of music, you just want more of that music. That's that's what it comes that's down so to. Cool. So. Yeah, yeah uh, my one of my biggest heroes in that kind of when I was growing up, and I was like, oh, is that okay? Is that is that because you know it's always been a few years between records for me, mm-hmm. and it was Gillian Welch and mm-hmm. David Rawlings, and they, you know, I think it was like every five years or so there was a new record, and I was like, that is so awesome like that's so brave because in this you know in the music world it's like oh you're going to become everyone's going to forget and you're going to have to start over you know but for me i I don't know i've always been kind of satisfied where we're at as a band i guess the shows that we're playing and all that stuff and i just really really just want to make something that kind of hopefully will live you know yeah we appreciate it and again it's all evident on the evening machines uh it's a really beautiful record gregory and uh, i thank you for it and I thank you for taking the time to talk today about it, too, man. I appreciate it. I really appreciate it, too, man. Thank you so much. All right. We will see you around somewhere on the road. Awesome. All right, man. Take care. Take care. All right. Bye. My thanks to Gregory Allen Isaacoff for that call right there. The new record is called Evening Machines. It's available now. On to the second interview, the band Hearts. 
They have just released their latest record. It's their sophomore LP, New Compassion. We'll talk about its organic and sometimes gospel feel in songs like uh, The Way and the title track, how they've said it was a, a therapeutic way to deal with loss. And there's also some talk about, uh, they're originally from Germany, uh, how that has influenced or, or painted U.S. politics for them. And tying it in with the big theme, there's also a song called Your Love that you may have heard for the first time on the uh, second season to 13 Reasons Why. It's been a big breakout hit out of that soundtrack, so we'll be talking about that as well. It's Kyle Meredith with Hearts. Hi, Kyle. Hey, hi. I want to start with probably, you know, let's start. go ahead and start with your love. You know, that seems to be what, uh, what kick-started a lot of this, especially ended up on, on 13 Reasons Why. Would you mind telling the story of how that all came together? Because this song wasn't written for that, right? No, no. Your, your Love wasn't written for, for 13 Reasons Why. We had um, been in touch with the supervisor, the music supervisor for the show, for quite some time because she had initially asked us to write a song for a different movie that she was working on and um, things didn't really line up for a while and then at some point uh, we saw her in LA and we had sent her a lot of the new material and she just uh, tried your love on this scene in 13 reasons why and it just somehow worked and and um, that's how it ended up in the show. I mean it does lend itself really well to the scene not just the scene but any kind of scene i think it, it just kind of has that feeling like that song might have been meant you know to to be part of a soundtrack or something does it ever recontextualize it for you n- knowing that people out there have this possibly defining moment with a song that was possibly so personal to you before i think it for us probably our personal meaning doesn't change by the context by the context the song is going to be put into but I think we like it if it happens, and, and I think it's really nice to see it if it can be interpreted in different ways as well. So, so I think it probably doesn't change for us, but it's, uh, it's really interesting to see if it does. And, of course, everyone who listens to a song probably takes something else away, and I think it's supposed to be that way. Movies and music really have a strong connection. I mean, some of my favorite songs are somehow tied you know, to to scenes that I you know, saw them soundtracking in through the years. So to be a part of that and to have yeah. such a moment that that must be really special. Yeah, for I I think for us it was really great. Any time our music has been part of a something visual, we're really into it. And for us also, the thirteen reasons why it it really opened the song to to so many people that probably would have never never listened to our music. So, so for us, it was a really, really great thing to happen. Yeah. And we love movies, and, and so we've always loved film music, and so, so it's really great. Moving on to the, uh, the the newer music than that, The Way has also become one of my favorite singles uh, You know that I've, that I've heard this year. I heard this was one of the last songs that you recorded for the record. Is that right? It was one of the last songs, yeah. And that one we actually uh, worked on with uh, our friend John from St. Lucia. There's something about I, I hear that story a lot, you know. I don't know what it is, but you'll hear, you know, these great songs and the artists. It would be like, yeah, that was one of the last songs we wrote for it. Like, I, I wonder if it's something about finally being able to see the whole picture and maybe noticing that there's a piece of the puzzle missing. And I don't know. Did this song fit any of that category? I think uh, that's actually a really good point. That one we just it was just on acoustic guitar from beginning to end. It was just that song. And I think it was so easy to record.
avoid it because everything just sort of fell into place because exactly exactly because of that because it's just we kind of knew what it was supposed to be and what 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 we needed out of it too. And going into this record, I mean, you know, you had the debut album and everything behind you. What did you take away? What was the learning experience from the debut that you were able to carry with you to this next record? You know, as musicians, we probably learned so many things from the debut record. I think just, you know, as far as writing and as far as production goes and, and you know, just for me as a singer and, and, and you know, us as musicians. But I think a big thing that we probably uh, took away from the first record was just the the idea of really wanting to do something where for the second record we would be completely free in in every part of making the record and i think that's what we in retrospect didn't feel that much for the first record and that was something we really wanted to do with this was a record we wanted to write ourselves a record we wanted to produce and that we just wanted to do 100 percent on our terms and i think we wouldn't have known that probably if we hadn't done the record if we hadn't done the record before. Yeah, there's almost something, I think, more organic sounding in this record. I, I don't know how to describe that. It's sometimes in a spiritual feeling sort of way. I don't know if you hear it like that, but but if so, where does that come from? We never intended to do that, actually. And, I, and for us, it's always this thing where we never sit out and have that kind of conversation or that decision where we want to make something sound like it. I think it's for us, it's always been more about the songs, and then we'll see what we think the songs need. But the thing that is a bit more raw about this record, I think it has a lot to do with where we were at personally, and um, it had a lot to do with the fact that making the record was for us, in a way, finding finding a sense in what we were doing and then shaping that. It was really a time for us to understand things, to deal with things, and I think it's reflected in the sound as well, where we really wanted to find clarity and boil things down to the essence. And, and that's what we were trying to do with the sound, where we just wanted to strip things back, have less production, have less layers, and just really keep ourselves to that say It's a song and it's a melody, and we're going to focus on the voice, and then we're going to keep the instrumentation a bit more minimal this time. I've heard you all use the word transformation a lot in other interviews. Is is sort of what you're talking about now? What you mean mean by that? It's a really personal record for us, and the the record is really an expression of, of our past three years. And it, it started in a time that was very, you know, things got a little bit dark, and 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 I think uh, it was there was a melancholic feeling or just some kind of like feeling of falling and, and for us to figure things out again and, and um, go through this transformation had a lot to do with the record. And it was just, it was made over two years. So it was a, it was a time of a lot of changes um, musically and personally. And I, I just, I just think that became a big part of the record where, you know, there's a, there's kind of a darkness to it, but I think there's also something maybe hopeful in the music. So. You know, with what you're talking about, the darkness and, and the transformation, were you all writing before all of that? I mean, were there songs that existed that you maybe had to wipe away because they didn't fit the the uh, the new thread and, and, and themes? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think we wrote a lot more music for this record than what this record is. <laughs> you know? I mean, there were definitely a lot of songs 
that didn't make it or that just to serve to serving a different purpose i guess and so but yeah i mean it, at some point it just became clear what we wanted it to be and what we wanted it to be about or realized what it actually is about because that wasn't so clear in the beginning and then you just you just commit to that and, and that's it you know some of the album you know what, what you know some of these lyrics at least how i perceive them you know there, there's calls for connection and and community you know being you know being from outside of the united states i I didn't know if that was sort of what you're talking about with some of the things that we have going on here sociologically and and politically but uh has that had an effect on you since moving to the u.s it's so hard to tell because we've been here for such a long time you know we moved here 10 years ago so i feel now of course everything that's going on has an effect on us and i think everything that moves us that somehow breaks through the surface is, is you know it's definitely had an effect and obviously everything that's been going on also had a big effect but when we started making the record I think it was very personal and it was more of an inward thing and it was more a time when we were really looking at our own situation and then going going through the process and making the record, I think at the end of it, we arrived at something that was a bit more universal. And um, I think also that's where the, the title of the album came from, you know, New Compassion. It then, I think, had something to do. Obviously, it was that time, you know, or it is a time where I, I do think a lot of people, they feel very lonely and, and a lot of people, they're isolated. And for us to write the song and then use it as, as the title, I think it, it signified a shift within us. And it has a lot to do with that notion of, you know, leading with kindness and, you know, leading from the heart and uh, in a way focusing and shifting to the human aspects, you know, to the things that, that everyone feels that everyone goes through, no matter how different and isolated everyone feels it's a perfect mantra i I sure do hope it catches on i love how it's uh came out in these songs i really do this is one of my favorite releases of the year so far Uh, i thank you all for doing what you're doing and i thank you both for taking the time to talk to me about it too thank you so so much thank you so much yeah it was great seeing or talking to you and uh, and we'll hopefully see you on the road sometime soon yes please come on out thank you all so much i'll see you around take care okay thank you Thank you so much. All right. Bye. bye. My thanks to Hearts for giving me the call on that one. Again, the new record is called New Compassion. And now moving to the third interview for this episode right here, Brooke Annabelle. Her latest record is called Hold to the Light. It was recorded in Maine, which would probably have at least a little bit of influence on the record. We're going to talk about that as well as finding a bit more of an electronic sound than she's been known for in the past. How Robin had a bit of an influence on one of the songs on this record. Brooke and I also talk about Spotify playlists. They've been really important for some artists, and she's definitely been one of those to have benefited from it, as well as TV placements. She's had several throughout her careers, and we're going to talk about uh, one of the most recent ones with Grey's Anatomy and how that even affects her TV watching. It's Kyle Meredith with Brooke Annabelle. Hey, Kyle, it's Brooke Annabelle. Hold On to the Light is just this beautiful record. Uh, once again, we are so thrilled to, to have new music from you. And I, I wanted to, you know, get the ins and outs of this record, too, starting with where you recorded it, because this one was up in Maine, right? Yes, it was. Yeah, what was that like up there? Um, because quite the different uh, uh, scene from your last ones. Totally. That's kind of what I was looking for. I had made all my last records in Nashville 
And um, this record I made in sort of the middle of nowhere, Maine, uh, a town called Parsonsfield, Maine. Um, I worked with Sam Kassir, who owns this studio up there that is an old farmhouse that he converted into a studio that's still also a house. So you go up there, you like live there, you eat there, you work there. And it was a really cool experience, a totally different vibe than previous recording processes for me i know location can play into inspiration quite quite a bit do you, do you find that in this record do you, do you find that uh that that being kind of secluded not just in the woods but way up in the most corner part of the country too, kind of you know arrange the sound of this record you know a little bit i'd say that the environment definitely crept into the sound a bit because I did all of my tracking in this little tiny wooden room that, you know, you could hear the rain on the roof, for instance. And so, like, that made it into the track of one of the quieter songs, and it sounded really cool. Otherwise, I feel like I went in went into it with a really clear intention of, of what I wanted to do and experiment with, and, and Sam was on board with that. So I feel like just the new team of people kind of, influenced the sound more than anything but definitely the experience of being sort of secluded altogether up there influences how you make the record and that sound i mean knowing what kind of sound you want there is a bit of a different thing for you going on here what were you looking for well i've always liked you know indie pop music and i've been listening to a lot more of it and personally had always primarily written with the acoustic guitar but with this record i started writing a lot with my electric guitar and so that at the foundation, you know, influenced the sound of the record because I was starting with an electric bass, you know, um, or foundation rather, not literal bass. Um, and so, yeah, I wanted to play around and experiment with different, um, more electronic sounds because the, the idea of fusing those more organic sounds with the synth sounds or something really inspires me. I like hearing those two worlds kind of collide and, um, that's what we went for on a lot of these songs. It's so well done. I mean, the production is just so well done. And that's kind of the first thing I hear beyond just a great song or whatever. It's like how the layers just kind of all fit together so easily. I mean, that's that's not something that people can pull off every single time. Thank you. There's um, a line I think you had said somewhere. I don't remember where now, but you'd said maybe the record is about figuring out what you need to feel more complete. What is that? Mm -hmm. I think that I guess sort of all of my songwriting process like my whole songwriting process is basically just the therapy session you know for whatever I'm going through or processing that's sort of how it started when I was a teenager and throughout you know my 20s and now I'm in my 30s and I think this record was really taking a a closer look at what is going on in my life and what what do I need going forward and what you know, how do I relate to the people around me in my in these relationships? It's always always my songwriting is pretty relational based, but I write a lot in transitional periods, and that's you know a, a lot of change and a lot of figuring out what to hold on to and what to let go of, and that's sort of what came out in this this album cycle. You know. And when you say relationships, I mean, are we talking like relationships with your partner, or just relationships in general with with everybody? Yeah, with you know family. And in a larger way, like how we relate to just all the people around us. But definitely, I mean, 
your relationships with your your partner or whatever going to influence a lot of what you write about. It's on your mind a lot. So um, I've written a lot about family relationships in the past, and people have thought it was about you know, a a love relationship. And I just sort of have to say, well, I'm glad that, you know, that's how you relate to it. But it's cool when people take other meanings from from what I'm writing about. uh, I mean, you're quite poetic and and sometimes... Not in a vague sense, because you can always tell that you're telling a story, but, but it's, it, you know, it's almost like whatever that real story is, it's just a little bit hidden. You know, it's just a little bit in the background. And that's uh, what I did. Like, do you do that sort of on purpose, uh, kind of uh, obscure it just a bit? I think so, yeah. I've always liked songs like that where you can't quite, they're not so literal. So I've probably been subconsciously influenced by that and, and do that in my own writing. I did hear that um, at some point, maybe it was a song or, or maybe the whole album, I don't know, but you did take some inspiration from Robin, which I thought, if that's true, it's nice and timely because she's back. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, we were, um, Sam and I, the, the producer, we were working on the song Glow, which started out just as I had written it on my acoustic guitar as just like this sweet little acoustic song. And we were we were tracking that, and he started playing something on one of his keyboards that I said, have you ever heard the song uh, Dancing on My Own by Robin? And he's like, I don't, I'm not sure, like, if I've heard that. And so, like, we took a break for dinner, and I played it for him, and he realized why that reminded me of that song, and, and that sort of was our influence for the rest of the song, which obviously is not quite as, you know, pop as as Robin, but totally, like, I love that song, and it just sort of influenced the rest of our of our production of that. Yeah, well, Glow's a, a hell of a song, and, and we're also big Robin fans around here, so... You know, for what it's worth, we've got both you, both of you all in rotation right now at the exact same time. So it uh, it worked out. Super the, cool. The universe put <laughs> yeah. it all together for you. I do want to hop back a little bit beforehand too, because you know your, your last record, which we had, uh, which we we absolutely loved around here. You know, it, it had some pretty good success to it too. I didn't realize that the song Answers had taken on what seems like a life of its own. I mean, six million streams alone on Spotify. <laughs> That's 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 pretty great. Is that from like uh, just playlisting, or or was there something attached there with uh, with a placement? It actually is just from a super popular Spotify playlist called Your Favorite Coffee House, uh-huh. um, and it's been on there for well over a year now and has a couple million followers. So yeah, that song is my most streamed song on on Spotify. So I sort of took it out of the archives because I wasn't really playing it that often. You know, I joke that it's kind of like one of the saddest songs I've ever written, but it's my most streamed song. So it says a lot about, you know, what kind of music people are into out there and everybody loves a sad song every once in a while. Yeah. Isn't that interesting though? You know, and there's always been something that's, you know, whether it was, you know, big radio airplay or, or, you know, when a band landed on MTV in the eighties and nineties and these days, you know, you, you have a person in an office who decides that this song, from whatever reason, is going to go on a playlist, and, and suddenly, you know, an artist's life has changed to some degree. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty cool. It, it definitely, like, sort of snowballs into other people listening to the rest of my music, which is really cool. I mean, Spotify playlists have sort of a greater power than, you know, an, an iTunes, or they have, like, equal power to, like, an iTunes placement back in, like, 2000 five or whatever you know so 
um, it's pretty cool. And you get a lot of placements too, TV placements uh, in, in shows. Uh, does that influence your actual watching habits when you know that you're going to be a part uh, of a show? <laughs> totally, yeah. I mean, my first one of my first placements was um, on a show called One Tree Hill back in 2011 and um, or 2012, I guess, was the placement. And and I used to watch that show all the way back in high school, it had been on for so long that I started sort of like catching up on what was happening so that I would know what was happening in the scenes that my songs were in. But most recently I had a song on Grey's Anatomy, which was awesome. And I can't say that I had ever been a loyal fan of Grey's Anatomy just because I, I am super squeamish and like can't, can't look at like blood and surgery and, and illness. It just, you know, I get uh, freaked out. So that was one of the only times I watched like a whole episode of Grey's Anatomy. But my scene was, you know, clear of clear of any of the that stuff. So um, I got to fully enjoy it. And it was pretty cool. That is really cool. And very funny, too. Well, Brooke, uh, I, again, I want to congratulate you on a, on a beautiful record with Hold On to the Light. Uh, again, we're such big fans around here and always happy to hear new music coming from you. And hopefully we'll see you back around Louisville at some point soon. Yeah, I'm hoping to make my way down there sometime in the next year. So, Well, even if you're uh, passing through, which I know used to happen quite a lot, you know, give us a honk and a wave, I guess. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, it was great talking to you, and, uh, and take care, and we'll see you around. All right, you too. All right, bye. Bye. My thanks to Brooke Annabelle. Again, the new record is called Hold to the Light. And thanks once again to all of my guests today, including Gregory Allen Isakoff and the band Hearts. If you haven't already, go ahead and hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening from right now. And again, that might mean YouTube. You can listen there. Uh, over on Spotify, you can follow us there. Or wherever you get your favorite podcast from, iTunes, uh, wherever you get them. After that, you can head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show every Monday through Thursday from noon to 3 Eastern, where you can also find some bonus episodes of this series. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.